you have your Bibles for just a few moments, I, I have, I don't know what, what, it, what it is for you, but for me as a preacher, it is so difficult many times to know what to preach. And um, I guess if I just wanted to, I could come up here and, and preach out of any verse, uh, anytime, anywhere, but that's not what my desire is. It doesn't matter what the verse is. If it doesn't have something to do with where you live, it doesn't matter. We need something that's for us relevant right now. And I will have to tell you that this particular passage has been in my Bible for months. I have no idea how far back it goes. When I did a search this morning, I couldn't even find where I had originally typed it into my notes. But the book of Romans, the fifth chapter, every time I have come to it to try to preach from it, I felt like I did not have a grasp of it, and I did not have a full understanding of it, and so I would back away. And I came again this morning, and I started to back away, and I thought, you know what? I can't keep backing away from this. I'm just going to give you what the Lord has given me, and hopefully it will help you in some way. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3. Paul writing to the church at Rome said, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, I want you to notice the, trans, the, the, the transformation that takes place and the progression of things as Paul writes. Knowing that we glory in tribulation, who in their right mind would make a statement like that? That we take glory in our troubles. We are thrilled to go through problems. But Paul said that, and I don't think Paul was out of his mind when he said that. He said, we glory in tribulation, knowing. Everybody say knowing. That's the key to the whole passage. If you don't know this, you won't get this. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience works experience, and experience produces hope. So my subject this morning is it doesn't matter what you start with. What matters is what you finish with. And everybody said amen. Say that with me again. It doesn't matter what you start with. It matters what you finish with. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Ancestry and genealogy has come into a new um, kind of evolution over the last few years with the advent of the Internet and the computer and making it available to so many people around the world. 
Now, by the simple stroke of a keypad, a person can go back in life and trace where their beginnings came from. And I think probably all of us at some point in our life have wondered who all was back there in the background of our life that helped bring us to where we are this morning. I've often wondered where my family, the Hughes family, began. And so there have been a few in our family that have gone to the trouble of tracing our beginnings. And what you, as many others, will find out when you do that search is that there's some things you are thrilled to discover And there are some things that you just keep to yourself. I found out in some way I am kin to John Wayne. At least that's what they tell me. I have no idea how far back the bloodline goes. I don't even know how the connection. I just know that name came up. I kind of like being connected to John Wayne. But there were a few other characters in there that you just kind of pushed them over to the corner. But they were all part of the mix. They were all part of the package. You see, in life, we don't get to choose who our parents are. We don't get to choose the date of our birth. We don't even get to choose the day we die. We are victims, I guess, in some ways of the mercies and the grace of God. But I could think of no other one that I would want to be a victim of than God himself. And I use that word carefully. But we have no choice over that. I I don't have a choice over who is in my background or what is in my background. But what I do have is a choice of how this story ends. I may not have had anything to do with my mother and father coming together. And I certainly didn't have anything to do with their parents or their parents' parents or any of the others that somehow snuck their way into the genealogy of my family. But I can tell you this morning that I am not a victim of my genealogy. I am not a victim of those who gave birth to me, although I can allow that to become a trap that leaves me in a state of darkness and uncertainty. I believe that we want to know where we came from and what are the pictures of the past And who were the people that helped make us who we are? People spend a great deal of time tracing their lineage. One thing that always comes out, though, is that there are some unexpected mixes that come into the picture. There are those that when we read the name, we think, surely not. Not in my bloodline. You mean that blood flows through my body? 
And yes, I have to admit that there are some in my own family's background that I choose to not mention. And I would dare say that there's some in your background that you would choose to not mention. But when I look even at the genealogy of Jesus, I find that it is not without its blemishes. Abraham beget Isaac and Jacob. A good man begets contentious sons. And those contentious sons war with one another until one of them takes the birthright and so begins the story. And as you go down the line from generation to generation, there's a good man that begets a bad son. There's a bad son that begets a good son. There's a bad son that begets another bad son. You don't ever know what's going to come out because you never know what the next generation is going to do with what they have. But folks, I've come to tell you this morning a very simple truth that I may not have anything to say over my beginning, but I am going to have a say over how my story ends. I may not get to choose the parents or the home or the background or the or the gifts or all of that. But I do have a choice at how my story is going to end. And even in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, there were those that you would not want to mention as part of your family background. So that tells me something this morning, that it doesn't matter what you start with. You may start with a handicap. You may start with parents that were addicted to drugs. You may have started from a family that was alcoholics and immoral and ungodly and unclean. But I have come to declare to you this morning that somewhere in that mix is your power to choose and your ability to make up your mind that I do not have to turn out to be like those individuals. Amen. What I do with my life now is what counts. It doesn't matter that I was a, 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 in the lineage of Jesse James. Or it doesn't matter even if my lineage had the son of Sam in it. Some of you don't remember him, but he was the murderous young man of the early 70s and 80s. It doesn't matter if you were... Uh, if your genealogy goes back to Jack the Ripper, that that's not that that doesn't matter this morning. What matters is where you are right now, and what you do with what you have from this moment forward is going to determine your life and your destiny. You may have began in trouble. You may have begun with tribulation. But I want to tell you that you're not the only one that started with a bad start. And you're not the only one that had things that were against you. Paul said, I want to give you the genealogy of hope. This is where hope was birthed. This is the bloodline of hope. This is the genealogy of where hope comes from. And you can trace it all the way back to trouble. Trouble has produced hope. 
problems had brought a man to the place that he now has an eternal hope that he is not dismayed by circumstance or situation but his eyes are set upon something far beyond sometimes we ask ourselves how can any good come out of the mess that I'm in. Well, it all depends on what you do with it. It all depends on what you allow it to do to you. It can beat you down. It can make you run and hide. It can make you want to go away and never come back and never be seen again. You can want to hide your face and you can allow it to conquer you and you can allow it to lord over you and belittle you and make you want that feels insecure and insignificant worse than that you can allow it to silence you and I want to talk to some folks this morning that have let trouble silence your praise you have let the things over the last few months and years that you've gone through you have let it take out of your mouth the praise that belongs to your God and Savior and this simple preacher has come to tell you it's time to put praise back in your mouth it's time to put praise back in your mouth it's time to put words of praise back in your vocabulary because it doesn't matter where you've been it matters where you're headed this morning amen there are many who allow trouble to conquer them and it beats them down and they become victims of their own past they become victims of their own uh, troubles and they are belittled by them and they are silenced by them. But there are those like Paul who took trouble as an initiative. He took trouble and made it an opportunity. He took the trouble and he allowed his faith to lead him to a place of great hope. And it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. He didn't snap his finger one Sunday morning and he goes from trouble to hope. It was a work that he had to progress through. But he kept going until he got to the desired end. You see, trouble can produce something in your life. Well, let me restate that. Trouble is going to produce something in your life. You're not going to have a choice over that. Trouble is either going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. It's it's going to make you a whiner or a crier or it's going to make you a praiser and a worshiper. Trouble is either going to produce good in you or it's going to drive you deeper into the shell that you've been in. You have to decide what trouble is going to do to you. And Paul said, let me tell you, child of God, you are not a victim of your past and you are not a victim of your circumstances, but trouble can produce patience. And patience can produce experience. And experience can produce hope if you will allow it to do so in your life. Trouble will produce something. You have the choice of what it produces in your life. Paul said, let trouble produce patience. You know what patience is? Patience is simply the ability 
to keep good under a burden or a blow. To keep going even though you are being afflicted on every side. To keep going even when there's no encouraging voice saying, come on, you can make it. Come on, you can do this. There's something in patience that just hangs on. It ties a knot at the end of the rope and it gets a death grip on that situation. And it says, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know what I'm going to do today. I'm going to hold on and I'm going to bear up under the burden and I'm going to bear up under the blows of life, but I'm not giving up and I'm not giving in. I've told you the story before, but when I was preaching in little town up in East Texas, there was a young man relaying to me a story of an incident that happened in his own life. He had come into town one day and he had met a friend when he pulled into a certain business and the young guy had his dogs in the back of his truck and he was so proud he had trained them and he had he had put them through all the obedience school and he said, I want to show you, I, I want to show you how obedient my dog is. And so hanging from the back of this rack that was in the back of the bed of his truck, they call it a headache rack, and I think that came from somebody running into it getting a headache, and that's where it got its name from. I'm not sure. But anyway, hanging from that headache rack was a rope, and so he gave the command, and the dog turned and ran and jumped and grabbed hold of that rope and was literally dangling from the bed of the truck, holding on to that rope and the guys he, he was amazed at how obedient the dog was and so this man and the other guys they got into a conversation and they forgot about the dog how many of you have ever felt like you've been forgotten they forgot about it and they're carrying on this conversation and he said I'm not talking about a minute or two. He said, I'm talking about several minutes, probably 10 minutes or more, that we're in this conversation about training and all of the things that you can do with these dogs. And finally it dawned on the owner that he had not given the command to let go. And when they turned, guess what? Old Butch was still hanging on, legs dangling, but hanging on. Why? Because he hadn't been given the command to let go. I want to ask some of you, who gave you the command to let go? The Lord said, hold on. Has he ever said, let go? Did God not say, stand? And when you have done all, stand? Has he given the retreat yet? Has he given anybody the command to go back? Has he told anybody it's all right to give up today? Absolutely not. God said it's not time to give up. It's time to hold on. Even when you can't see. Even when you don't know. Even when you can't understand. You just keep hanging on. Because hanging on is going to produce something. Hanging on is going to produce something you're going to like. It's going to take you somewhere you want to go. It's going to produce something you're going to love in your life. Amen. And so patience, he said, will produce experience. What is experience? Experience is faith that has stood the trial. Experience is faith that has stood the test. Now we know the value of hanging on. 
because it has produced an experience. And folks, I want to tell you something. My dad always said it. Son, book learning will take you so far. But experience will take you further. There's just some things they cannot decipher in a book. They can give you principles. They can give you all the ins and outs and the whys and the why nots and the fars and the far nots. But there's some things that life throws at you that they can't put in a book. There's some things that get mixed up in all of this called life that you can't figure out by a formula. The only thing you can do is what Paul said, and that's just hang on until something good comes out of it. Hang on until your patience produces an experience, that it produces a faith that can stand, a faith that does stand, a temper that is under control of the Spirit of an Almighty God. Amen. It it produces experience. And when you've learned by experience, folks, you have really learned. Amen. You have learned. And then he said experience produces hope. What a wonderful word. One of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. One of the three that is mentioned. Faith, hope, and love. That the greatest things. These three abide. Faith, hope, and love. And now Paul is saying that hope is produced out of this Ugly, troubling experience. Brother Hughes, what are you trying to tell me? I'm trying to tell somebody this morning that faith's highway is often an ugly journey. It is not that beautiful, copacetic, perfect little paradise that many people envision faith to be. It's not coming to an altar and making a decision for the Lord and then turning around and walking into heaven. It is going down through the valley of decision. It's walking in the night when no one is there to encourage you, but you keep right on walking. It's going on when you don't feel like going on. It's getting up on a Sunday morning when your body would rather stay in bed, but something inside of you said, no, I've got to go on because God has not given me a command to retreat yet. I must go on. So life is a process. It is not linear. Life is not just starting here at this point and going straight to heaven. Life is an up and down journey. It is a mountaintop one day. It is a valley the next. And sometimes it is more valleys between. It's not like a book where the story ends happily ever after. And everybody goes off and all the pieces fall together. The book of life is a book that is often left with a lot of unanswered questions. I can't tell you why God has taken some people out of our myth. I can't tell you why we have lost some and we've had to grieve the way many of you have had to grieve. I can't tell you why some of you have had to go through the family troubles that you've gone through, but I can tell you this, that if you will let faith work in your life, it will produce something that's worth having. It will produce something that will keep you. It will produce something that will take you to where God wants you to go. He said, hope maketh not ashamed. 
when it produces that element in your life, you're, you're not ashamed of the fact that you came from the wrong side of the tracks. You're not ashamed that you came from the broken home. You realize that God's goodness and mercy have been so, so precious to you. And so you have to let God be God. Everybody say, let God be God. Lift your hands to Him right now and say that with me. Let God be God. And let your faith work out in your life the great mystery. Amen. And so God gave me two things to give you this morning. Number one is this. My text encourages me to not be discouraged by my present circumstances. Amen. Look around you right now. It may look ugly. It may look violent. It may look stormy. But whatever it may be, you hear me this morning. Your circumstances do not determine your destiny. Listen to me. It could be a broken home. It could be a broken life. It could be broken health. It could be broken dreams. It could be broken anything. It doesn't matter. Those are not the things that determine your destiny. I didn't envision my life ending like this. And I want to tell you something. There's most... Most people that I know of in life have some point in their life where they say that. I thought I would always be here. I thought I would always have that job. I thought my family would always look like this. I thought my kids would always. I I thought this was the way it would always be. And here we are dealing with dysfunction and broken homes and broken lives and broken dreams and broken marriages. What are you going to do? I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to get up on your feet today and say, you know what? It doesn't matter how I began. What matters is how I finished this thing. It doesn't matter what's happened along the way. It doesn't matter the troubles that I've had to live through. It doesn't matter what people have done to me. What matters is where I'm going and what is going to happen in the end of this thing. Come on, lift your hands and praise Him right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Your circumstances are not what you need to be concerned with. Your circumstances will change by the day, but God will ever be the same. So don't be discouraged by your present circumstances. God's greater than your present situation. They are not the determination of your end. It's what you let those things do to you and do through you. That will bring you to the desired end. Discouraged? I don't know anybody in this building that hasn't been discouraged before. And some of you are discouraged right now. You're discouraged that things have gone the way that they have. And my heart grieves when I think of all of the valleys and the tears that have been shed in this church over the last few years. But I I hear the cry of those tears saying something to me. Produce something good in my life produce something good in my life i will not die in my dilemma i will not die in my discouragement i will not die in my disappointment my lord how many how many times how many of us have been disappointed in life disappointed with people have people let you down 
come on, be honest. Have people let you down? People have let me down. And the people that let me down many times are the people that are closest to me. Those that are nearest to me that can hurt me the most. But it's happened to all of us. We've been let down. What are you going to do? Well, I could become bitter like a lot of folks. And I could become bound by those things. And I could let those things dictate and determine everything that I do from that point forward. And there's a lot of people that go through life that way. They had some ugly encounter back there. And it still affects everything they do today. It affects the relationships with people. It affects their marriage. It affects their children. It affects their job. Why? Because they are bound by something that happened a long time ago. Hear me. There's something better than being bound. There's something called reproduction. Let that trouble produce patience. Let that patience produce experience. And let that experience produce hope. And it will not make you ashamed of the end of your life. Amen. And I close with this. Secondly, do not limit your life to what you see at this present moment. There are people in this building this morning that are living on a level that you, you, you should not be living on this morning because you have let what you see affect what you do. You let what's, what's visible around you. Can you imagine what Daniel must have felt like the first night in Babylonian captivity? There is not one symbol of his religious faith anywhere to be seen. There is not one window that he can look out of where he can view the tabernacle or the temple of God. He is so far away that the only thing that Daniel could do was open his window eastward. But he knew that that's where the temple was. Somewhere in the far distance. He couldn't see it. All he could see around him was all of the hellishness of a Babylonian society that was immoral and ungodly. And they, they, they had multiple gods and they worshipped at every shrine and there were groves and every kind of idol and image you could imagine. And everything went on under the banner of so-called religion, immorality, ungodliness. And here he is, surrounded in that kind of atmosphere. There was nothing around him that encouraged him to do what he did. But the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. He said, you know what, I don't care what I'm surrounded by. I could be surrounded by devils, but I'm still going to worship the one true and living God. Oh, I'm going to get back on that subject. I preached a little bit about that last week. 
You can be surrounded by all of the vileness of the culture in which we live, but you can still be holy and godly and pure and undefiled because you make up your mind. My circumstances are not determining my end, and neither what I see will it determine what I worship. I have made up my mind a long time ago. I'm going to serve the living God, and whether I see him or not, I'm still going to worship him. Whether he he comes through when I pray or not I'm still going to pray whether he answers every prayer when I pray it or not I'm still going to pray why because I know that somewhere out there somewhere God is listening somewhere God sees me and God knows what I'm going through and he will see me through to the end stand with me if you will don't limit your life by what you see at the moment You see trouble, but God sees training. You see a prison, but God sees an oven in which he can mold and make you into a vessel. You see a mess, but God sees a miracle. You see a terrible tragedy, but God sees a training opportunity. You see a famine, but God sees a relocation program for his chosen ones. You see Egypt, but God sees protective custody until the appointment time. I'm just here to tell you folks that things aren't as they seem. What you see in the natural is not all there is to life. And some of you need to wake up and realize that beyond this element that surrounds you right now is a host, a host of angelic beings that God has dispatched for somebody to catch a glimpse of this morning. Elisha's servant was overwhelmed when he stepped out of the tent and he looked and he saw the host of the Midianites everywhere. That'll make you get a lump in your throat. That'll keep the coffee from going down. You get up in the morning and You look at a body that's just not working right. You look around and there's nothing really changed in this house from yesterday. There's still that same element surrounding me. You get on the commuter train or you get in your vehicle, you get on the bus and you make it to your job and you walk in and you look around and not a whole lot changed here either. Oh, God, would you touch somebody and let them see what's beyond? There's something beyond what you see right now. You just don't see a way, but there is a way. You don't see how this could turn out to be good, but it will and it can. And so the the Lord said that the prophet simply prayed, Lord, help him to see. And that's what I've come to do this morning. God, help some folks see that hope's birthplace is not a beautiful palace. Hope's lineage does not come from the perfect bloodline. It doesn't come from the perfect genealogy. Matter of fact, who would have started there to get to hope? 
But that's where God chose to take His people. From trouble to patience to experience to hope. You know what I've come to discover? When people say, Brother Hughes, it didn't work for me. It didn't work for my family. You know what I'm just hearing? I'm hearing somebody that gave up too soon. Because if you keep holding on, it's going to produce something good in your life. You just got to keep holding on. And there's a lot of folks that they get into trouble and they get into patience, maybe. But they can't get beyond patience to experience. And they don't move beyond experience to hope. And they say it didn't work. It won't work. I'm here to tell you that the reason that it didn't work is you stopped just a little bit too soon. Amen. What do you need to do? You need to keep hanging on until that hanging on produces the next thing. Amen. You keep hanging on. You keep persevering. You keep being patient. That's an ugly word for us. But that's what life is made up of patience. In your patience, possess ye soul. Just hanging on. That's where you win, hanging on. See, that doesn't sound like a win to me. Sometimes just showing up's a win. Just showing up's victory. I don't have to run the aisles. I don't have to shout. Knowing what all I've had to wade through to get to church this week, just being here is a victory in itself. I'm going to celebrate that. It doesn't matter where you start. What it matters is how you finish.